Well, it's good to see you here on uh, Sunday morning and making a priority to be in the Lord's house. And uh, we're in the second week of a new series, working through some different promises of God. And this series title got me thinking about a, a kind of a regular occurrence I see of different articles on Facebook and just out there, out and about. Is uh, maybe you've seen this one before? Is ten things you didn't know your iPhone could do? Have you guys seen those? I, I got to admit, I'm sucked into that each time. I'm, I'm just like, every time I discover something new, cool that my phone does, and, and I'm like, what, what do you mean it can track, uh, like, did you know that your phone can track your regular pattern of where you spend time? Like, that's weird. How you can pull, I learned this week, you can pull back a text that you didn't want to send if you do it fast enough. And so there you go. That's, Josh is like, wait a second, I like this. And, and, so, and so there's lots of things, and every single time I, I get this feeling of like, wow, that's included too. Like, that's, that's so cool. I had no idea that was included in this iPhone purchase that I think I'm making payments on every single month. I didn't know that was included in this, this process. And I was thinking about that, and maybe this is a weird parallel, but that's what I get every time I explore Scripture and discover more and more of God's promises for those of us that follow Him. The more you explore, you start to say like, whoa, that's included too. I had, I had no idea. Oh, that's involved too in the process. And that's the adventure we're on in this series is discovering when we're following Jesus Christ with our lives, all of the promises, not all of them are hinged on what we just sang about. Not all of them are hinged on something way in the future. Many of them are things that we get to experience and enjoy even today. This morning, you're going to probably already guess what we're talking about. It's something that we all desperately need. It's a promise that we all can cling to. It's something that we may not even be aware we need, but it's the promise of wisdom. Not just, how, not just that it's promised, but then also how we attain it. But let me pray for us before we explore that promise of God. God, we thank you so much for this chance to be together in your house this morning and celebrating you through song, taking time to remember the reason why we gather. Thank you so much for the work that you've done for us on the cross that we're able to be here and stand before you and even talk about what it looks like to be in a relationship where you talk to Almighty God. Pray that you'd speak to us through this text that I'd be small and you'd be great. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So we're going to primarily just stay in one text this morning, and we spent uh, some time in it a, a couple years ago through the, a series where we worked, worked through the book of James, but we're going to kind of hone in on a specific section, James 1, 5 through 8, so you can start turning your Bibles there now so we can read this together. I'll start by reading the promise, then we'll break it down a bit through our course of, of time together. It says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all Without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So really, these four verses break down a lot of, of, of what it means to embrace this promise of wisdom in the life of a Christ follower, but the first thing that caught my attention is those first six words, if any of you lacks wisdom. First, you read that and you're like, are you kidding me? Of course, like we, we all lack wisdom, right? That should be a, a no-brainer, but as I stopped and thought about that for a little bit, if we're really honest with ourselves in our heart of hearts, 
do we actually acknowledge that? Do we admit that we're lacking wisdom in our lives? Does our process of decision-making represent that? Does it actually reflect the fact that we're lacking wisdom? Or do we have a mentality of, I've got this covered that really pervades our, our, our thinking as it comes to decision. If we're, if we're honest, so often that's the flesh that we naturally head to, that thinking that, you know what, if I really ponder this decision, if I really uh, wrestle through it, if I reflect back on my experiences and things I've uh, encountered in my past, I can, and maybe even run it by a few close friends, trusted people, then I can usually come to a decision. And if we're honest, is God even involved in our decision-making process? Is he even part of the equation of how we seek wisdom? This morning we see that it starts by acknowledging our need because otherwise, if we try to do things just based on our own mind and our own conclusions, man, that is so heavily warned against in Scripture. I want to point to a couple repeated warnings that we see in Proverbs. Proverbs 28, 26, and this verse made the, the, the hairs on my neck stand up, not on my head. Uh, whoever, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but the one who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Might be more familiar with this next one, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Proverbs twelve fifteen. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Do you see the consistent pattern there? The, the fact that we don't already have it. Wisdom isn't something because of the amount of information you've collected in your life, the amount of knowledge that you've built up, the schooling that you've had. Wisdom is something that specifically comes from God. Do we have it? Do we have that? We don't have it without asking for it. We're going to see in the text. So, so let's start by acknowledging before we can even enter in the conversation about wisdom, we have to be at a place where we recognize that we don't have it on our own. He warns us against this, not on our own understanding. But then the invitation is extended. It says those that, that acknowledge they don't have it, it says, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. Let him ask. It's a very personal that thinking that we have access into the throne room of Almighty God. Says He doesn't say, no, you have to bring it through Mary. It doesn't say that we need to bring it through different saints. What does he say specifically there? He says, no, come to me with your questions. It's a relational component that's here that I think we so often miss. He could have said, if any of you lacks wisdom, then read my book. He, but, but, but here you see that he's told us to ask for it, not to look for it. You see, it's not just an information exchange. It's part of a relationship with God. He wants us to communicate with him to say, man, God, I need help with this. I don't understand this. God, explain this to me. Help, help open my eyes. You see, it's an invitation into that dynamic that was created when Jesus died for us on the cross, when our relationship was restored with him. He said, man, we're back into talking terms. We're back into a place where you can ask me and I can communicate with you. So making sure we don't miss that component. And notice also that he says, when you do ask, there's going to be no reproach. He says, ask, 
Let him ask who gives generously to all without reproach. Now, what is reproach? It's not really a word that we use in our common language, but reproach is this idea of somebody beating your head over the question that you're asking. Maybe you've had somebody, when you ask them something, you ever had somebody that you ask a question, they really make you feel dumb for asking that question? That drives me crazy. Like, uh, like uh, uh, somebody clearly still working through that. Uh, <laughs> But, but here, you, you think about that, you think about when you, you ask a question and that's, you're like, wait a second, God is saying, I want the kind of relationship with you that you can bring anything up. I love in school when they say, there's no such thing as a, yeah, and then, yeah. So anyway, that's the, that, that's the idea here, is that he's saying, you don't have to come with your wondering with God's up there saying, really, you again? Really? I, I thought we dealt with that six months ago, Dave. Like, I thought we worked through that. Like, why, why are you back again with that question? The same thing. No, that, that's not how God operates. He's saying, man, come with anything. See, the context that this is written, this is James, Jesus' brother, writing this letter, which is awesome to think about. And he's writing it to a lot of people dealing with trials, and he's trying to caution them to, to understand, to say, listen, when you're going through and figuring out how to endure trials, know that you're allowed to ask anything. It's free game. God's not going to be crushed by the depth of your question. He's saying, I've got an open floor. You can bring whatever without reproach. That's awesome to think about. But then if you're like me, I start to ask the question, well, what is a good question to ask God? Do you ever wonder that when you're like, okay, I've got the invite to come into his throne room. Like, that's awesome to know. But what's a, what's a healthy, appropriate question to ask the king of kings? You see, we learn a little bit about that just in the verse prior to this because he describes what the desired outcome of our trials is. In verse 4, he says that our trials, when handled appropriately, are to, to have an impact on us, full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You see, the questions that we have should align with the goal that God has in our life. God isn't as concerned about your circumstances as he is about who you're becoming. God is very interested in who you're becoming. Do you understand that? Remember how that threw off the Israelites when Jesus arrived and they thought he was going to be the Messiah that was going to rescue them from Roman rule? And he's like, no, I'm showing you up to rescue you from yourself. For us, we need that same reminder that sometimes the circumstances he allows to happen in your life are part of the shaping force to make you more like him, to make him more like him. So maybe the questions that we're asking isn't necessarily, God, how could you do this to me? Maybe the questions that we ask sound a little bit more like this. God, how can I navigate through this storm in such a way that it still brings you glory? God, what are you wanting to teach me? God, how can this trial help me grow to maturity? Do you see how those questions those questions change everything. Your perspective going into those questions alters it. Love the story of uh, Warren Wiersbe. If you've heard of that, he's a well-known uh, pastor and author. He's telling a story about the time his secretary was going through an extremely difficult time. She had actually, physically, she had had a stroke. And then her ha husband had some complication with his eyes and literally lost his eyesight, both of this in a short period of time. And then another health complication that landed her husband in critical condition. So Wearsby tells the story how he was 
shocked to see her at church. And when he did see her, he went up and made sure that he reassured her that, man, we're lifting you up in prayer. We're, we're covering you in prayer. And she asked a question that, that startled him. She said, what are you asking God to do? He's like, uh, okay. He replied, I'm asking God to help you and strengthen you. She said, I appreciate that. She said, but pray about one more thing. Pray that I'll have the wisdom not to waste all of this. Like, Man, that's somebody that understands how God works. That's somebody that understands that this is a part, part of the process, part of our experience here in life is becoming more Christ-like. And he uses experiences to do that shaping process. She understood verse 5. So for us, asking God to open our eyes to what he is doing, but responding to his invitation to, to bring our request, to bring our questions before him. And I love this. We learned something else about how he responds. He said, let him ask God who gives generously. Gives generously. I don't know if there's anybody else here that hates small portions. Anybody go to a restaurant and super annoyed with that? Like, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not that big of a guy, but, like, I like a good portion of my meal. I'll tell you a, a quick story. So somebody was super kind in our church and gave us a gift card to this fancy restaurant called Nobu. Have you guys heard of this in Malibu? Fancy schmancy. So, uh, so we waited. So this was given us to last fall, but we waited. This tells you a little bit about your pastor. Uh, we waited all the way to our anniversary in February to strategically, I'm maximizing the, the, the two, and, uh, uh, and, and said, all right, well, we're going to go. And here's how we really wanted to maximize this. We said, we're going to go at the lunch hour so we can get more bang for our buck. Okay, so I'm a cheapskate. There, it's coming up. So we show up, and I'm all excited. I mean, I've heard all these things about this. No, have you guys heard of this restaurant? Nobu, like celebrity sightings everywhere. It's kind of cool. So we came in. It's beautiful. I start ordering things off the menu. First off, there's the sticker shock. Then I start ordering things, start bringing me different kind of things. And, and, and I look at this, and I'm like, really? That's it? That was $27? Like, really? That's, that's, that's four bites. You know what I mean? Like, how, like how, how's this work? So I, we end up, I mean, and don't get me wrong, the food was, uh, both bites were fantastic. <laughs> we, we, we thoroughly enjoyed it, but on my drive home, I'm eyeballing the Taco Bell, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and so, so with this, it tells me, man, I am so glad we deal with a God that's not limited in portions. When he says, I'm going to give you wisdom, he says, man, I'm going to give it generously. I'm going to heap on portions of this. You come to him and ask, man, he wants to pour it out on you. Will we take him up on this invitation? And you can see people that have clearly come to that well often and people that need to go a little more often in your life, right? I, I spent some time in Chicago uh, at the same time that, that uh, Joe Stoll, he used to be the president of Moody Bible Institute, worked at Harvest Bible Chapel, where I worked, and every single time I could be in the same room with him, I was just like, man, this guy has clearly walked with the Lord. I love the wisdom that just poured out of just the little things he said. Clearly, somebody walking with the Lord, that when you ask for it, he'll pour it out in abundance. So how will we respond to his invitation? We see the second part of this. It says, he says, those let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. That's a, as a sure, as sure of an, a promise 
uh, of a promise that I can think of in Scripture. He's saying, listen, you ask for it, you will get it. It will be given to you. But then if you're like me, you have to ask this question. Well, that's cool that he gives it to, to us, but how do we know what to, li- do you guys wrestle with these questions too? How do we know what to listen for if he's giving it to us? Like, how does God speak to us? You're like, that, that all sounds well and good. That sounds fantastic, Pastor Man, but, but how, do, how, does he, how, does he actually, how does he actually speak to us? There's, I don't know if you're like me, but certain times in sermons, maybe something that you've heard a long time ago that really stick in your head. Well, probably about nine years ago, I was listening to a pastor by James McDonald, to a sermon by James McDonald, and he shared this, this graph that's kind of stuck in my mind for all these years. I want to take a minute and walk through it with you guys. This, I thought, was a good clue into how God tends to speak to us as his kids and the, the helpful benefit it's in your notes instead of taking pictures. Uh, but if you, if you look at that there, uh, if you look at that there, you see the different methods in which he speaks to us. It says, from, from the word of God itself. And this is a little bit of one of those no-brainer ones. That's the, uh, that's the awesome truth. That's the most common way that we notice that God speaks to us. Even this week, I'll give an example. I was preparing for this. I read that Proverbs 28, 26, whoever trusts in his mind is a fool. And again, that caught my attention. My wife and I have been in the process. When we first got married, we bought a townhome in, in Illinois. This is 18 years ago. And we're finally in the process of selling it this past week. And we're going back and forth doing some of the negotiating. And I found myself, I was leaning a little too much into what I knew from life experience of like, oh, well, that's a good deal. And I was like, you know what? I was convicted of that verse right then and there. I'm like, man, I don't want to just go based on my mind. I want to pause. I want to ask him. I want to seek him as to what he wants in a decision like that. Do you see how God speaks to us? Hopefully you have lots of experiences like that where you can point to times where you've been in the word of God and you're like, whoa, that hit me right between the eyes. That's exactly what I needed to hear. Have you guys had that experience? So that, that, that's, that's one there from the word through a person. The, from a, a word through a person. That might be through what we do here on Sunday mornings. It might be when we spend time studying God's word together. It might be on a podcast that you listen to. Somebody that's studying God's word with you. Maybe it's through the women's Bible studies. I love that they do that on a regular basis through the course of the year. God uses people in the shared study of his word to speak to us about things that he wants to impress on us. I've seen that time and time again in, in my own life. Hopefully you've experienced that as well. What makes me laugh is how often after a sermon, I'll talk to somebody after the, the message and they'll share something that they got out of the sermon. I'm like, that wasn't even really a big idea or a main point or had really very little to do with what I'm talking about, but I'm glad, glad, I'm glad God spoke to you. That's pretty cool, and th- which is reassuring that it's not about me. It's about God, what God wants to do, what he wants to say to you when we spend time studying his word together. Another one that's up there, and he puts that uh, on there. He says, from a person not contradicting the word. And so you can th- maybe think of experiences where you've had an encounter with somebody and they're just talking and they're sharing something with you. And it's not specifically from John 13 that they're pointing something out, but it's something that they point to you and you're like, man, that's exactly what I needed to hear. That's exactly the word that I needed to hear. I'll give an example of that in January I was meeting with a, a gentleman that was newer to our church. He's since moved, and he was talking about his wife that, that, that isn't following the Lord. 
and was sharing and just, man, I feel like she's so close. And he, he asked me the question that just rattled in my brain since. He said, do you ever at ABF have the opportunity for people to respond to the gospel message? And I'm like, I guess we do, but man, I'd, I'd like to do that more. I'd like to give more opportunity. It, that's one of those opportunities where I, I went through and I ran it through the filter. You can see some of those tests there afterwards. And I'm like, that's definitely of God. So you may have noticed this year so far, we've had three or four different opportunities for people to respond to the gospel message. And we have seven or eight people that have made the choice to say, I'm in. It's such an awesome thing. But that's a great exp- or, or example of how God speaks to us through other people. Last one there, the next one there, is one that's pretty, uh, I would probably disagree with him on the frequency there. From the Holy Spirit to my spirit. Can you guys think of examples of times in your life where there's something that God tells you like, you need to do this and you need to do this now. You need to turn around, you need to go back and do that. You need to uh, apologize for that, right? Like the, the Holy Spirit in my life is constantly giving nudges. And it's neat to see is the more consistently, consistently I respond to those nudges, it seems like the amount of nudges <laughs> seem to increase. Anybody else have that experience? And so this is one of the, those things that God wants to speak to you, give nudges by his spirit. It might not be an audible word, but sometimes there's something that could be just as undeniable as an audible word where there's that nudge. I want to share a story with you. I, I heard this week it was a fantastic story, in my opinion. You, you debate that. Uh, but this is uh, by, by Tony Campolo. If you're familiar with that, pastor, author, he says some controversial things uh, sometimes, which I, uh, some I agree with, some I don't. But I did like this story that he, that he shared. He's telling about an experience we had where he was speaking at a university for one of the chapel services. And prior to the speaking engagement, a group of men from the university gathered with him. This is common to, to pray for him for that speaking time, that God would use that mightily. And so he's in this prayer time. And he t- tells the story, and he says, man, and the, the prayer time just really went on and on. And, and he, he said, man, it was, it was one, he, he was even talking about how they were laying hands on him and started getting really heavy. Uh, but, uh, but he was saying in that prayer time, one of the guys that was praying diverted a little bit from topics. This man started praying for a man named Charlie Stolfus. He says that he started praying, he's getting a little off track. He said, dear Lord, and I'm going to do this with a southern twang because that's how I picture it. Dear Lord, you know Charlie Stolfus. He lives in the silver trailer down the road a mile. You know the trailer, trailer Lord, just down the road on the right-hand side about a mile. Tony says that he thought to himself, he's like, why is this guy praying for, for Charlie Stolfus and not for me? I'm about to go up there and preach. He's like, why, what's this have to do with anything? But the man just keeps on, on going and says, Lord, the man continued. He says, the, the, this morning, Charlie told me he's going to leave his wife and three kids Step in, Lord, and do something. Please bring that family back together. How do you like my twang? Was that all right? <laughs> so so he, he, he kind of moves past that. The, the prayer time, it finally came to a conclusion. He wasn't really sure what, what was happening there. He went on. He, say, he just said that the, the, the preaching felt like it went great. No, went great. On his drive home, he sees a hitchhiker on the side of the road. He, he says he always picks up hitchhikers because they can't get away from him hearing about Jesus. And so he picks up this, this man, and they do the initial introduction to each other. And he says, hey, I'm, I'm Tony. And the man goes, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Charlie, Charlie Stolfus. Tony's like, are you kidding me? What are the chances of this? 
So he had started, he had got, gotten onto the, the Pennsylvania Turnpike. He's heading down the road. To, uh, Tony says he turned, he got off the next exit and turned around and started heading back. And the man was a little bit, a little bit panicked. He, he leans over to, and, and says to him, hey, mister, where, where are you taking me? Tony said, I'm taking you home. The man said, why? Campolo said, because you left your wife and three kids, right? The guy's like, yeah, yeah, I, I did. <laughs> So, so the whole time, the guy's across the, the seat from him, staring at Tony, wondering what's happening. The guy's mind was blown when he pulls straight up to his trailer and parks in front of it. His wife comes back out, outside of the trailer and says, Charlie, Charlie, you're home. Charlie gets out of the car and goes and explains to her by whisper what's happening. Both of their eyes are getting bug-eyed. Tony decided to take advantage of the situation. He said, he said, Campolo said with real authority, now the two of you sit down, I'm going to talk to you, and both of you are going to listen. So guess what? Two of them sat down and listened as he shared the gospel with them about Jesus Christ, how much he loved them, and how he wanted to see their marriage restored. Well, both of them accepted Christ that day and headed in the direction of seeing their marriage repaired. And the awesome thing of that story is it all started with this crazy guy praying about, about Charlie Stolfus. You see, what I love about our God is as much as we want to put this chart up there, man, sometimes he likes to go outside of the bounds there a little bit. Anybody see that in your life? He likes to go outside of there, but he does give the caution to make sure, and this is the critical piece, you're running it through the filter of God's word. Even that last one there, and it talks about frequency there. Uh, I can't say that a, I get a ton of, of dreams in my life that I feel is clear from God. Maybe uh, if anything, I might get something of I forgot to do that that day, or maybe something else in a dream. But you know what? I've recently been reading about what God's doing in the Middle East and Iraq, about, about God showing up in dreams, Jesus showing up in dreams and meeting people in their place of need, people coming into a saving relationship to, with Jesus Christ without even cracking this book. It's unbelievable. So you hear things like that. But I, I think it's helpful to think of frequency. It's like, hey, that's not, that's not an everyday occurrence. If you're leaning too heavily on the dreams or too heavily on anything. If you get those out of balance, you can, you can miss the boat. But all of them, the reoccurring theme is to test that. You know, the first one, don't test it. It's in the Bible. It's, it's straight up. Be humble. Check. Check carefully. Be extremely cautious. All of those running them through the filter of Scripture. It concerns me when somebody comes to me and says, I have a word from the Lord for you. And you're like, man, if you're going to proclaim that, you better be crystal clear that it was him talking, Right? because you're adding to the pages of Scripture otherwise. So be careful with those, with those words. Make sure it runs through the filter of God's Word. Because often, too often, I have somebody come and they say, you know what, I was praying about this. I was praying about marrying this person, that I'm a believer, but they're not a believer. And I really sense a, a peace about that decision. I'm like, uh... I don't think that's the piece that you're getting because Scripture is really clear about being unequally yoked. Oh, you know what? I really sensed from God that He was telling me that I should move forward with this divorce even though I don't have biblical grounds for it. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure God said that He hates divorce and He doesn't oppose the things that He says. So here's the, the, the reality that we need to be reminded. Make sure all of this, when you're listening to, for God's voice, that it goes through the filter of Scripture. Is that clear? Make sense? All right, so 
Noah's voice, and the last one, well, I want to add one more thought on this Noah's voice. I think sometimes we forget the part of it if we hear his voice, and then there's expected response of action. Make a plan based on his voice. Some people, they're not lacking wisdom, they're lacking action. They know exactly the right thing that needs to be done, they just maybe don't like the answer that they heard, right? But if you're going to be, if you're going to ask, be willing to hear what God has to say to us. Last thing is a little bit of a caveat that God gives in this last section. We'll do this whole chunk together. It says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Notice the one caveat, the promise. If we're going to receive the promise, what's our part in it? To ask with, you just read it, faith, without doubting. Faith is that caveat for that exchange. If you want wisdom, faith is necessary component. You're like, wait, wait a second, is that, does that seem like a fair exchange? Anybody watch some of these new drug commercials that give like, all right, this is a new drug. It's going to help take away dry skin. And you're like, well, that'd be nice to get rid of dry skin. But it does cause bleeding from the eyes. You're, in the, in the, in the, you're like, wait a second. Like, that doesn't sound like a very good exchange to me. Like, as much as I, I, I hate dry skin, uh, as much as I hate that, like, I really don't like the ideas of my eyes bleeding. You, you, you see, the, the exchanges often in these drug things, I'm like, I'm not sure I'm in for that. But, but, but here, look at, look at what our God says. Look at what our God says. He says, I'm going to provide wisdom, and all I ask from you is that you just trust me, that you put your trust and your hope, you, you, you leave your doubts at the door, and you, you, you jump into the one that is trustworthy, not just trusting him, but trusting the advice, the wisdom that he does give us. So that's the, the, the last thing that he points us to, and it's interesting, he says that's the exchange, is you want the wisdom, you have to ask in faith trusting in him. Otherwise, what does he describe us as? He says, you're double-minded, unstable, and tossed like waves. Whoa, that's, that, that's pretty sincere. That's pretty intense. You see, God takes doubt really seriously. When you start to do this kind of double-minded thing where you're like, you know what, I'm going to take the best of some world advice. I'm going to take some best of God advice. I'm going to run them through the filter of me see what I like, what I think is best, and then I'll come to a conclusion. See, anytime we see in Scripture the proposal of this dual world kind of partnership, some from the world, some from God, it gets shot down abruptly. And that's what he's doing here. When you're shopping for, is, for wisdom in all different places, he's saying, no, it doesn't work. It doesn't work, and it's exhausting. Remember in high school, I kind of lived this dual life where I was kind of partially in. I was kind of in church during the week, but then kind of doing my own thing. And you start to see, man, that dual life, it doesn't work. You're either in this or you're not. That's what he's cautioning us again. If you're going to ask for it, know, be one, be ready for the answer that I might give that you might not like. Well, that's, that's important. Also, just, just trust. See, that's how you stay below the waves of this life. I think that's a perfect picture of kind of how this world lives, man. If you're just going from one wisdom thing to the next and you're just getting hit by the waves, anybody feel like that sometimes in life? You're like everything's just coming and crashing. 
I had a, a cool life lesson some years back. I was uh, with, with a team of college students in St. Vincent, which is down in the Caribbean. Not a bad place if you're going to go on a missions trip. But at the end of the week, at the end of kind of the work piece of it, we had a day that was kind of a, a fun day where we got to do some, uh, enjoy some time. Well, all week we were in this uh, kind of lodging where you could see off probably about 300 yards out in the ocean this, this um, kind of mini island thing. And I had the great idea at the beginning of the week, oh, how cool would it be to swim around that thing? At the beginning of the week, like out of the 25 people that were there, like everybody's like, yeah, we should all do that together. But when it came time to do it at the end of the week, I was like, all right, let's do it. How many people came with me? One guy came with me. So uh, that, that should have confirmed that it was a dumb idea. But, um, but so we start swimming out, and by the time we get to the island, we're, we're like 300 yards out. I'm already exhausted. We're like, all right, well, let's do this. So we start swimming, and swimming around, and it's all rocky, so you couldn't climb up for a rest or anything. And so we started swimming around. Well, we didn't think through the fact on the other side of this island, I mean, the waves were hitting that like crazy. There's only a few times in my life where I've legit been afraid for my life. And at first, I'm getting a little panicky. I'm like, man, I'm going to die out here on this missions trip. That stinks. And, uh, and, uh, and so is this dumb college student that followed me. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, not dumb, um, but a college leader that followed me. So, so at first, we're, we're kind of, I'm like, are you okay? And we're struggling. And I remembered, I was like, you know what? I think if you start swimming down below the waves, then all of a sudden the water's like calm and, 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 and doable. So we started doing that. We started going down, swim maybe a 10 feet down, whatever it was, and then swim, swim some forward, come back up, get a big gasp of, of breath. And we're like, man, that saved us because we were able to get through these crazy waves by going down below the surface. And I got that picture in my head. I'm like, isn't that what faith is? It's to say, I'm not going to get caught up in all the drama of this world, all the things that want to toss us to and fro. Well, is this a good idea? I don't know, Dr. Phil. I don't know, Dr. Oz. Maybe he, you know, like, what, what, where are we gathering our wisdom? What if instead of that we said, you know what? I'm going to just plot my course keep going below the waves, God promises to respond to that. He promises to, in abundance, give wisdom in that. Is he the rock that we're clinging to? Is he the one that we're putting our hope in for our wisdom? My hope from this time today in God's word is that we do a little bit of assessment of our decision-making process. Have we gotten too far down the road of, I've got this covered? I have enough life experience, I have enough knowledge buildup, or am I still dependent on my dad? Am I still dependent on my dad saying, God, I need you. I need your wisdom, and I trust what you're going to say because you know better than I do. Let me close with prayer. God, I thank you so much for your word here this morning and how practical it is. And if we really allow these verses to sink in, the magnitude of the invitation should just blow our minds. The fact that you, the God of the universe, the creator of all, the one that sustains all, the one that gives us our next breath, has invited us to come to you, the one that knows everything, for wisdom, not just come empty-handed, but to come away with an abundance of wisdom. Why wouldn't we cling to that promise? My prayer, God, is that you would just slow us down enough to reflect on some of the thoughts here this morning. 
that we would reconsider even some of the things going on in our life, some of the trials we're in the middle of. And take this word from James, Jesus' brother, and apply it to our own lives. God, we can only do that in your power with your Holy Spirit directing us and leading us. We thank you so much for your patience with us that when we do finally get this right, that you're not waiting there with reproach, saying, oh, finally, he's coming to me. Thank you for that picture of you as a loving father. Pray this now in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, his wisdom's there if we ask for it, right? Let's do that this week. Let's be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Just a reminder as you're leaving today, if you're interested in helping with our deacons fund, that's where we specifically meet needs in our church and community. You're welcome to give towards that as you leave. Otherwise, have a wonderful day in the Lord. God bless you.